0: Got to tell you about the relief and recovery cream from Escape Artist. It's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. These creams will guarantee to help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing. And my favorite part, they're not going to ruin your clothes or sheets. They are not greasy but you can find them at any of your 11 denver metro area light shade dispensaries light shade man they've got a great selection of cannabis concentrates top shelf flower edibles tinctures accessories and more and now when you use code dnvr podcast listeners you can get 25 off all non-sale items shop online at lightshade.com for your pickup or visit a light shade location near you that's your first pitch now let's play ball Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, when you use code DNVR at sign up, you get some special offers, like how a five dollar bet on any winner is going to turn into one hundred fifty dollars in free bets. This NBA post season, again, with code DNVR, a five dollar bet on any winner gets you one hundred fifty in free bets. That's on DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does each and every week, the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T SportsNet the host of the Drew Goodman podcast it's our good buddy Drew Goodman
1: Patrick how are you my friend
0: doing okay we're doing okay we survived the snow apocalypse of may 2020 2022 what year is it it's hard to know but feeling good feeling good how are you feeling out there in Pittsburgh
1: um i'm good i you know i just got my workouts done and um it's a nice day today i'm looking out over my shoulder at uh downtown pittsburgh and um it's uh it's pretty day should be nicer than it was last night last night was kind of cool chilly overcast and the game was uh kind of cool chilly overcast very true yeah. very
0: true yeah you know sometimes those trips to the east coast you think you're gonna get a little bit more oxygen you know more red blood cells it's going to be good for for the recovery when you live at altitude but unfortunately they did put pittsburgh and dc Back to back, and those those uh, press boxes and, and and the booths that you guys have to broadcast from, you're still technically at altitude. Is that correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, in, in fact, uh, I saw some uh, lower flying aircraft um, that were beneath our broadcast location, and Washington's even higher, so we can bitch about that, which I I'm fond of doing. Uh, you know, when a couple thoughts. When you come to the Midwest and or the East, you just assume if it's a week-long trip, you're going to have, like, the under over is you know, two and a half rain delays, right? Um, so whenever you can get through a week uh, in those cities without a rain delay, you're like, good. So the Rockies are one for one, no rain delay. I don't think we're going to have an issue tonight. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, so... You know, that's that's one of the thoughts. And, you know, overall, and more importantly, when the Rockies you had a tough homestand, as we know, three and six, Patrick. And, and you know, you've been breaking it down. Uh, you know, you lost two or three to Kansas City. That was that was sinful. Right. You know, you look back, you go, that, that's a team you got to beat at home. Giants, good, though. They've taken on water again of late. They've lost five straight. You'd like to be able to win a series against the Giants at home. The Mets are playing good baseball. So, if you lose two or three to all three of those teams, you're going on the road against two teams that are struggling in the Pirates and and the Nats. And um, you, you want to get healthy again and hopefully return where you're above five hundred. And last night was just you know kind of a lackluster, typical Pittsburgh game. Patrick, typical game in Pittsburgh for the Rockies through the years.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to to catch up with Buddy or anything, but JT Brubaker. This is his second time. Like last year, uh, at Coors Field, he had six shutout innings. So he's he obviously just just has a, a certain pitch mix that uh, that could, that can impact the Rockies. So yeah, that was uh, that was a close one. That they had a couple opportunities. I thought the turning turning point was going to be that play at the plate where I don't know if you realized it, but the Rockies have had an overturned call in three consecutive games uh, or three consecutive days, game one on Saturday, the Sunday's game, and then on Monday, the play at the plate. But unfortunately that that wasn't the turning point because they would still end up going down to, to lose two to one to the Pirates there.
1: Well, too frequently when the Rockies have come to Pittsburgh over the years, Pirates could leave the field and I don't know if the Rockies could score. And the Rockies had seven singles last night and really – three maybe four of them were 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 hit hard I mean there were a couple infield hits there was the you know Hilliard hit the ball hard his first two times and then he had the pop fly single to left you know there was only really only a a handful of balls that were sharply hit the whole night and historically that's been the situation when the Rockies come to PNC Park now hopefully tonight will be better Uh, but but last night last night's game for both sides, matched the weather. It wasn't pl- well played defensively. Uh, you know, as poorly as the Rockies have played defensively, the Pirates have actually played worse. They've been the poorest team defensively in the league. So, yeah, you know, you just we, – we say this all the time in baseball. You put it behind you, and, and
0: hopefully you have a better day today and, and start playing cleaner baseball. And momentum is the next day's starting pitcher, although I don't think we know who Pittsburgh's going to be throwing out – on Tuesday, on Wednesday, it seems like all signs are pointing to to Ryan Feltner to get his second start of the season. He obviously, he's with the team right now, so uh, that that looks to be uh, the move there. And 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 you hope he can have you know about as much success as he did in Philadelphia because he was okay. Just it, that whole series, the defense really let him down. Well, I'm excited about watching him pitch
1: because as opposed to it's you know somebody you bring it up to to be you know the proverbial emergency starter i mean yes ostensibly that's what he's doing right now but there's a lot of upside with ryan feltner i mean he's got uh, you know plus fastball um he's got uh, you know a, a good breaking ball i think that and he's got a toughness to him uh, I, i'm intrigued every time he gets the baseball because the rockies have to develop you know more starting pitching that's about more pitching in general every team does so uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching him throw the baseball again on Wednesday.
0: One guy we're not going to see throw the baseballs, Robert Stevenson. Obviously it, the news came out on Monday that he'd hit the COVID IL, but also it sounds like from a lot of the reports coming out of, uh, of Rocky's camp, if you will, is, is that he might be able to come back from this sooner than the 10 days, almost as if there's, there's something built into the protocols, which, I don't have memorized by heart that there's an ability to say, well, actually, you know what, if you get a, enough negative tests in a row, and if you were erring on the side of caution and you don't put a guy on a plane because he may have it, but it turns out he doesn't, you know, Stevenson may be back sooner than, than the 10 days because we know he's, he's already been on that COVID IL once before the season.
1: Yeah. I can't recite the, the protocol, uh, <laughs> To the letter of, of the law, I think it's something along the lines of you know two negatives within forty eight hours, something along those lines. So hopefully, because Rob, you know Stevenson, was on the COVID list at the start of the year, um, so um, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Speaking of injuries, it, it looks like you know Chris Bryant may be going back on the shelf. Also, we'll
0: see. Yeah, that was that was something that I I I put at the top of the list to to talk about. Like, should we be worried about? Chris Bryant, obviously, the cortisone shot seemed to have helped. I've uh, had two rehab games with the Ice topes in Salt Lake, with the against the Salt Lake City Bees or the Salt Lake Bees in Salt Lake City, and came back was able to play uh, on Sunday and in, in, in game one in the doubleheader. And you thought, okay, he's he's good to go, but then got scratched from Monday's game, and obviously. If there's going to be those those back issues, and that's that's at the that's at the heart of it. That the back is the heart of the body. Uh, I don't know if that's a phrase or not, but it, it's what it seems to be true. And yeah, that that's a bit frustrating. Unfortunately, that the start to the the Brian era uh, has been going this way when they need someone with his kind of presence in the middle of that lineup.
1: Well, they didn't sign him just to to make a splash. They signed him because the Rockies had to get a lot better offensively. And unfortunately he hasn't been healthy. I mean, he played the first couple of weeks or so of the season and, you know, he was throwing out his hits, but, you know, hadn't gotten going yet in terms of the power department and he missed three weeks, came back for a couple. And now, you know, if, if this is going to be another, well, we'll see. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of, ahead of myself, but, you know, potentially uh, another lengthy um, situation where he's out not good, not good for him individually and certainly not good for the club. Cause you're taking out the guy that you had uh, put in the three spot, you know, but he wants to have him in that three spot, uh, you know, most of the time.
0: Yeah. It, can you recall any, you know, players who have bounced back from an injury like this? Again, I, I guess we don't really know the severity of it. I mean, neck injuries are are really bad. We know that ended Prince Fielder's career. And so, you know, we're a long way from saying anyone's career is over, but, I guess there are just varying degrees of having those back issues, being able to play through it, and then just having back issues so severe that it can can end your career abruptly, somewhat like a, a David Wright, who kept you know battling back from it, but it really took years off of his playing career.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm very very you know leery of having any discussion about injuries. Uh, it's obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't know specifics of of his injury. When you talk about a back, that's a wide range of things. Um, I believe that what ended up curtailing uh, David Wright's career was spinal stenosis, uh, if I if my memory is right, which is you know completely different from what I believe is going on with Bryant. But I don't, I mean, it it would be so irresponsible, you know, for for me to to wager an opinion as to what's going on there and compare it to other guys and other backs. I mean, listen, I, the first guy I thought of when you mentioned that was was Clayton Kershaw. They play a different position. Uh, you know, Kershaw's dealt with back issues the last several years. And, you know, he hasn't been able to play a full season, but we've also seen him come back and pitch, you know, at the highest of levels, uh, you know, after rest and and rehab and that sort of thing. So we'll see, we'll get more information here uh, in the coming days. And, and, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed. They can, they can figure it out. But, you know, the the one, the one thing I will say or, or, or quote is, it's a regurgitation of something we've heard many times from, you know, trainers and and uh, even doctors that that backs are tricky, right? Backs are tricky, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, it it's just a wide range. Like obviously, the best scenario is no one is hurt, and you don't have to speculate about. Yeah, is this the end of someone's career? Are they done for the season and they'll be back and they'll be fine? Are they just going to miss a couple of weeks or is it a, a couple of months? If you're healthy, you don't have those questions. But you're right. We, we just, it's just going to take time for us to kind of figure out. And it's frustrating, obviously, because, you know, for Bryant himself, where he, he signs this deal, he wants to be with Colorado. He wants to be that leader. He, he said Ben Zobris was that guy when he came to the Cubs and what he was able to do and elevate the team to that next level. And and you see where the Rockies are at right now and you go, Boy, they could use a veteran presence like that to elevate them to the next level. That's Bryant. And unfortunately, you know, he, he's he's banged up in this way. So he's frustrated by it, teams frustrated by it, fans are frustrated by it. But, you know, unfortunately you do just have to take it day by day in this in this instance.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you need more than the, the whole leadership thing because I think you know, that happens organically. And sometimes it doesn't have to be one individual. You need another really good player. You need a, a, a and that's why they signed Chris Bryant. And last night's game is a perfect example. If somebody ran into a ball and, and hit it out, maybe after, you know, somebody had the bloop single or a walk or whatever, and, you know, a two run home run on night, you don't play well and you and you escape with a three to two win. Well, Chris Bryant, you know, historically is you know as a guy that would be a strong candidate um to produce that kind of hit on a a given night um you know more likely than than some others so uh, that's that's where they're going to miss him most of all but we'll see we'll we'll learn more i'm sure later in the day and and that'll be speculative also because you won't know until you know rehab takes place you won't know until uh, you know the medical, you know, folks do their thing and, and, uh, and we'll say, keep your fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one guy who is healthy right now, and I wanted to get your, your take on, because this was a very much a fun story over the weekend, but Brian Servan who, you know, he makes his debut last week, gets, gets the promotion to the big leagues for the first time. And then in his second game, not only does he record his first base hit, it's a homer, but he he homers again, two home runs in in the same game to start out his career, uh, evoking you know Trevor Story uh, to a degree in, in that capacity as far as great moments. And his first home run actually ended up being the uh, the lead flipper, gave the Rockies the lead uh, once and for all. It was four and three at that point, so that was such a big spot. How how nice is that? You know, covering debuts, everyone loves debuts. Uh, everyone loves to see a, a guy get his first hit for it to be a homer. Uh, I I know you must, you know, really like those kind of moments and they, they stand out in a very, very long baseball season.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't get to witness it. I was, I was with my middle son uh, watching him play, but um, great stuff. I'm really fond of Brian serve I got to spend a little time with him during spring training and get to know him a little bit. Uh, You know, he's, he's, he's got, he's a bright guy. He's a guy that, I, I guess the best way to characterize it. He he has a good understanding of life and where baseball kind of fits into his life and and you know I, I, I he's a really good player and he wants to make it very badly and he's talented, uh, but he has he has perspective that it, he's not going to be defined by you know whether or not he goes you know two for four that night and and whether the game spits him out you know a couple of years from now. So uh, I, I was really impressed when I got to spend some time with him this spring and uh, I spent some time with him yesterday, kind of congratulated him because I hadn't uh, seen him and the fact that his family was there and, you know, you got to really soak in the moment. Uh, Those, those are special times. We talked about it before, Patrick. I I know all managers really appreciate debuts. And and I think that Buddy uh, in particular uh, really appreciates giving um that opportunity and watching how it unfolds because uh, you know buddy remembers and recalls when he made his own debut and when he when he witnessed other ones so i think he handles it really well and uh, you know brian brian serbins always going to be a guy that's well liked by teammates so yeah
0: it was special man that that was fun yeah the debut really is it, it, it's the peak of the mountain. I mean, it's, it's what every young ball player, every young professional athlete hopes to get. And if you get it, I mean, that, that, that could be the biggest moment of, of your career. Not, not everyone, you know, has a great season is an all-star is a hall of famer. So that, that first moment, you know, is, is special for 99% of the, uh, of the players out there of, my day that, that, that I, that I got to go to the show and I got to share it with everyone too. Cause how often are the teams, you know, flying in family members and, you know, fiancés all that stuff. So it really is just kind of the the pinnacle of, uh, of the culmination of, of a career and, and all the people that help get you there. And so that, yeah, that definitely stands out. So it, it, it makes sense that it would be so special. And yeah, buddy obviously understands that he's seen it from, from all perspectives. So uh, it 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 never gets old hearing those great stories.
1: Well, I, I'm big on enjoying the moment, trying to trying to truly live in the moment. I know that's a cliche, uh, but it's important to do that, and it's important to understand and appreciate accomplishments. And regardless of whatever happens in Brian Servan's career going forward, no one can ever take away that day. No one can ever take away that moment. No one can ever take away the work and. And perseverance it took to uh, achieve the opportunity to have that moment Um, so you know take that appreciate it
0: and and know that everything beyond that's icing on the cake right yeah and you know what no one can take away the colorado avalanches 3-1 lead on the st louis blues got to mention that of course because we've got watch parties popping off for these ab games wednesday nights going down again on the corner of colfax new york at the dnvr bar where if you're a member you get a member sized beer you get that mega pint a little something extra a little bonus for you extra raffle tickets at that watch party so you can win some free gear you know you get access to our members only discord where we're talking about a couple things that we might not go forward with on the dnvr.com or on twitter and you can also meet some great people, make some new friends where you talk about other topics besides sports. If you're not a member, don't fret. It's only 50 cents for your first month on the dnvr.com. And if you're ready to go all in for that annual membership, guess what? You get a free shirt at dnvrlocker.com as well. When you're getting your member-sized beer, hey, if it's a Breckenridge Brew at the Avalanche Ale, perhaps, it's a good choice because your hometown craft beer is of the Colorado Avalanche is celebrating this historic winning season with people who have supported this community through such a challenging year by giving away abs tickets to a pair of community stars each home game during the playoffs and this includes the Stanley Cup finals. Yes, they're giving away tickets for you. We invite you to nominate a stellar community member that you know and an abs fan who should get the tickets to celebrate at a playoff game this season. Now, each home game we're going to hook up fan and a friend with tickets, gears to match and of course the drink of the season, Avalanche Ale. Breckenridge Brewery is also going to donate a portion of all proceeds of sales of Avalanche Ale through the playoffs to the community fund Boulder County to benefit those Marshall Fire victims. Visit Breckbrew.com to nominate a community star and send them to an Avs playoff game. The NBA playoffs are still going down. Now DraftKings Sportsbook an Official Sports betting partner of the nba is still trying to keep nuggets fans in on the action new customers right now you can bet just five dollars on any team to win and you get 150 dollars in free bets if they do win also the same game parlays right now are particularly nice that's when you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout i say it's really nice because when you place the same game parlay each day with three or more legs you can get 25 dollars back if one of those legs doesn't hit Hedge your bet why not Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DNVR DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Drew, have you ordered your... Uh, nasty Nas uh, nasim Kadri shirt from DNVR locker yet. I mean, after his hat trick, he's he's somewhat immortal now. I think in not only Avs hockey history but in just Colorado sports history. Talk about a a clutch performance on multiple levels.
1: That was one of the more unbelievable and apropos outcomes for me that I've witnessed. I mean I I couldn't have been happier. Um I respect the hell out of, the league, out of all athletes and the people who play hockey in particular and the toughness and the code and you know Nazem Kadri had a reputation um and he earned that reputation for you know being at times a quote-unquote dirty player. And we saw it last year against the Blues on, on a bad hit. Um he has you know, gone to great lengths to kind of change that reputation this year. And the, the play that injured um, Bennington was not a dirty play. I listened to a lot of hockey folks and removing the bias because I want to see the avalanche win the Stanley cup. Um, But that was not a dirty hockey play. The puck was loose in front. It was unfortunate. Bennington got hit just like it wasn't a dirty uh, hockey play that injured Sam Girard and and broke his sternum and he's out uh, for the playoffs. Some of the vitriol or a lot of the vitriol that was directed uh, toward cadre and racist in nature, um, there's no place for that clearly. And I I thought it was so fitting that he was the best player on the ice in leading the Avalanche to a six to three win and had uh, uh, just the second playoff Patrick in the history of the avalanche who have a storied history, as we know, it, it was awesome, man. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. Really, really cool moment for, for him to be able to have that. And as you said, yeah, fans being, well, they're not being passionate. We understand there's a difference between passion and and just kind of blind rage. Like like you said, I, you know, I w- I brought that up partially because I was uh, somewhat surprised to, uh, I spoke with a couple of players this past week during the homestand and, they they actually said we we know new york philadelphia boston those fans can really get on a player but this guy that i talked to said that the fans in san francisco were relentless and i was a little bit surprised by that i wouldn't have guessed that giants fans or that san francisco vibe would have been up there with with philly as far as being like damn talking about my mom you know talking about my significant other all those things and I, is that something you know? Can do you have a do you have a a tiered list and in cities that can really well, rate a player?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I defer to the players, especially outfielders, because sometimes they're out in you know where where the seats are less expensive. I'm not saying that decorum becomes less with with cheaper tickets, but sometimes it does. And I suppose you know there's. Uh, I've seen people when I was doing the NBA in $5,000 suits uh, acting like complete jackasses. And so it, it, it's not necessarily a monetary thing, but uh, the outfielders, I think can hear it because they're isolated. Um, you know, I've heard that San Francisco can be rough. I know for a fact that, you know, Dodger stadium can be rough. Um, you know, you, Philadelphia has you know a reputation uh, Boston has a reputation this is what I truly believe there are jackasses everywhere and people who cross the line from being an ardent fan to ha- being so obsessive um, and living um, you know and it's, it's kind of uh removing themselves from their daily lives and then planning themselves and you know like like the outcome matters in their life yeah i I get passion i get wanting to see your team win but at the end of the day you have no control over it and um you know people lose their minds uh, and and that's unfortunate
0: yeah it's strange because we we welcome that kind of passion but then at some point you get to you get to that line that you you should not cross and it's you can get right up to it. You know, we know you can get right up to it. And then once, once you cross it, it's it's too late at that point.
1: And Patrick, hockey breeds that a little bit because hockey is a violent sport. Hockey is a sport of toughness. Hockey is a sport, well, if we have a score to settle, uh, it, it's within the confines of the rules for you and I to have a fist fight, uh, you know, in the middle of the ice. Um, so you, you see that boil over at times into the people who are watching and supportive of one team or another. and and then their actions or their verbiage or their, their words now on Twitter and Instagram become language and, and such that shouldn't be used. And, and, you know, it becomes an ugly situation. But when it came to playing the game, which the guys for the avalanche were playing the guys from the blues and the guys from the avalanche in, in a, you know, hostile environment, step forward, they were the better team and Nazem Kadri. Uh, arguably was the best player on the ice and and did not retaliate uh, which is hard it's hard to i mean that the thing that drove me nuts a little bit again I'll put my fan hat on is the the 5 on 3 the two roughing minors that were called when Kadri was attacked from behind that's game that's a game misconduct and should be a suspension if that happens if that happens out on the street it's assault Kadri I mean his back was turned I mean it was awful uh, anyhow I digress the, the story of the night was Nazim Kadri and and producing a hat trick and all great goals too I mean it weren't like you know two were an empty net or late it wasn't wasn't anything like that
0: Well the Rockies did their part to not take attention away from that so Yeah no, they did got to give them give him some credit well with with baseball you know there there was a time where there would be that kind of policing and like hey this isn't great but it's allowed I don't know how much policing really goes on in baseball now because we, we've seen a shift in the last couple of years of these unwritten rules kind of going away and let the kids play and players celebrating. And in the past, what would have seemed like showing up another player, showing up the opponent. And now, you know, that that hasn't really been the case. And I, I think that's been to, to baseball's benefit. To, to my knowledge, I, I can't think of any other, any real ways of, of that kind of policing. Maybe within a clubhouse, you know, you've... I want to say, call it hazing, but you know, you, you show the young guys the ropes just a little bit, but on the field there, there isn't that kind of policing quite as much anymore. It's definitely been reduced in, in, in recent times. It seems like,
1: well, I mean, it used to be, you know, you'd, you'd hit, you'd dot a guy, right. And, or going, going hard to second and uh, you know, if that sort of thing to send a message. And, uh, but that kind of or hit the catcher. Th- those things have been taken out of the game for the most part.
0: Yeah, they really have you You talked about you know the Mets a little bit and the Giants. I was curious to get your take on in, in seeing those guys a little bit up close, a little bit from afar. Did you get the sense as to you know it, it, could this be a, an NLCS matchup? Obviously, the Dodgers will like to have something to say about that, same with the Padres, but uh, one team better than the other. And and maybe the the Giants' recent you know troubles will will we'll slant it one way or, or the other. But both Mets and Giants take two of three from the Rockies at Coors Field. Did you get a sense that one club is better than than another? I,
1: I think everything went right for the Giants last year. I, I do like their pickup of Carlos Rodon. Uh, I, I think they have a, a really good rotation. I don't love their position players. Uh, I I think the Mets are better from a position player standpoint. I think if the Mets are healthy one day in the second half of the year when they're rolling Degrom Grom and Scherzer, if that occurs, and both are hurt right now, if that occurs, I think the Mets are, are a much better team. I think the Dodgers are a better team than the Giants. I haven't seen the Padres up close yet but I suspect that the Padres potentially are better than the Giants also. So I'm not saying the Giants, it's baseball, right? You you never know what will occur. Just like we talk about in hockey with a hot goalie, you don't know what will occur. Look how good Florida was this year, and they just got swept by Tampa um, in in the NHL playoffs. So in terms of a preview, which your question was uh, of the NLCS, if if somebody said, who do you see right now? I, I think the Mets are a better team than the Giants, and I would pick some other uh, teams in the national League ahead of the Giants to to be that other team potentially that you know would be fighting for a national league pennant.
0: I would agree with that because it does seem as if you know the the Giants are a poor man's version of the Dodgers where they're kind of doing a lot of similar things together. Uh, Dodgers do avoid those five game losing streaks, but you can't name anyone on the Giants roster. it's it's strange. they're are, they're still getting the best out of those guys, and that's great. But the Mets, on the other hand, you know, they got Buck showalter. like the the manager is is a real key element, I think to this. as you said, Mets are gonna get back you know two aces. It's kind of a similar situation with the Rockies, where if they can hang in there long enough, you know, maybe maybe acquire a player or two uh, on, on the lower tier level, not a superstar, but acquire someone uh, in a trade uh, in in July when they get back Chris Bryant, hey, that's another acquisition uh, that's gonna allow you to to be a little bit more hopeful about the Rockies season. Going forward, but Buck Show Buck Showalter is uh, man. He 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 is a very good manager. I will say that it was interesting sitting in on his pregame conferences and and hearing how his mind works and and some of the things that he said and how he prepares his players too each and every day, breaking out a a different rule or a different wrinkle or loophole that you can you can use to exploit and, and gain an advantage in the game. He's he's something.
1: Yeah, it's very good manager. He's, he's had that reputation. It's been a deserved uh, reputation. However, I, w- I will always say this, whether it's Buddy Black or Buck Showalter or Dusty Baker, or, you know, Tony Larusa or go to other sports, you know, Phil Jackson, all those, you know, great teams in Chicago and LA, you got to have the players, you, you know, uh, I, I'd be a pretty good manager too. If I'm rolling out Max Scherzer on a Sunday afternoon, you know, you're, you're better you're, you're a better manager if you're Aaron Boone when Stanton and Judge are healthy and, you know, you have that lineup uh, in, in New York that you can roll out. So, yeah, Buck, Buck Showalter really good. I'm not I'm not trying to in a backhanded way slight him uh, at all. And I thought it was a really good move by the Mets who were ready to win now, especially after, you know, Steve Cohen went out and spent the kind of money he did and getting Scherzer and the kind of roster that they have compiled that you you want to have somebody who's been there and done that, um, on the top step of the dugout. Now I say been there and done that, you know, Buck Showalter has never managed a world series team. Not yet, at
0: least. But every team that he has managed, except the the last stint with the Orioles, the next year they did go to the world series was done in 95 with the Yankees. Then, uh, Joe Torre leads the Yankees to the World Series in '96. Uh, once he's done in Arizona, Bob Brenly takes the Diamondbacks to the World Series in 2001, and then uh, I think he he was done in Texas in 2009 before uh, Wash Ron Washington went to to those World Series with the Rangers. So he he's got a magic touch. We'll see if it actually comes to yeah. fruition with him in charge now.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm not again. I'm not trying to be dismissive of sure. leadership. I, I'm a, I'm a big one on leadership. You know, I think the world of, of Buddy Black. Uh, you know Bob Brenly. He's, he's been in broadcasting a long time. Bob Brenly did a really good job in in, in 2001. But Bob Brenly could go, "Hey, who's going today? Chilling. Okay, who's going tomorrow? Randy Johnson. Okay, I mean, who's going to Game Seven? Both those guys. Great. Right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty helpful. And those guys would say that if Bob Brenly was on this podcast, would they say, "You know, I'm I'm a whole lot smarter when I can hand the baseball to the big unit. So." Buck Showalter is a good manager, and Buck Showalter is very thorough, and you alluded to this, in understanding all the rules and the nuances of the rules and how you can, you know, utilize them potentially uh, to your benefit. So, I think back to Joe Torrey, somebody you mentioned. Joe Torrey was not well thought of as a manager until he arrived in New York not good with the Mets, right? They didn't win. Not great with Atlanta. They didn't win. And then he arrives in New York and, you know, they end up with the core four and, you know, he's a legend.
0: Yeah, that's true. It it does have a lot to do with the roster. One of the guys on the roster that I got a chance to catch up with a a couple of us. We were, we were all trying to to talk with Adam Ottavino, and, you know, he's, he was, he was deployed twice there at Coors field. That was his first time back. We were all thinking, wait, is this his first time? And, you go, wow, it's been like four years. We know they have played the Yankees, you know, that 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 next year after he left in 2018. But the Yankees had never come to Coors Field. So that was the, the return of Adam Ottavino. And uh, has he always been a, a pretty open and honest person? Because he, he definitely seemed to be that way. And, and talking about, you know, one of his good buddies in, in Scott Oberg and what the fans are like at, at Yankee Stadium and in Boston and how quick they can flip on you and flip back, all those things. Uh, I, I'm sure that would. That you'll be looking forward to catching up with him in uh, in New York this summer for sure.
1: Deep thinker, smart guy, interesting background. Biased. I'm a New York guy. He's a New York guy. So I, um, I've always liked Adobino. uh, and Scott Oberg's the same way. I think you've gotten to know uh, Scott Patrick. You know, he, he's he's got takes uh, and thoughts on more than just how to spin a slider. Uh, in life, and so I find those guys, you know, interesting to visit with. Um, and and Adavino's that guy, and Adavino has carved out for former number one pick out of Northeastern that everybody hoped would be a, you know, a top flight starting pitcher. He's become a top flight, you know, setup man and occasional closer, and and really been a successful one in an industry that doesn't have a ton of those guys that have sustained success in in that kind of role. And some of what it's interesting, because I've been, you know, just like you have, you, you're looking at what Tyler Kinley has done the first couple of months of the season. I know Tyler got the loss to me. It was a hard luck loss yesterday because he threw the ball really well again. He's had such an extraordinary start to the season. And when you look at what he's done, he hasn't given up a run at Coors Field. And you look at the list of guys who've had great, you know, say two month periods of time at the outset of a, of a year. It's Kinley with Adam Ottavino. Adam is prominently on those lists a couple of times. He started out like gangbusters, and so yeah, he he's one of the better Rockies relievers, probably historically in a setup capacity, and and he's continued in that realm back east.
0: I love that you make that comparison too of Kinley and and Otto, and and we talked about in, in Sunday's post game show that that stat and you know sixteen of seventeen scoreless outings and and that sub one, almost sub half a run ERA between, between those two guys, but they, they both want the ball every day. Like I think buddy said, you know, Kinley or no, maybe it was someone else said yeah, Kinley wants to pitch every day. Like he he's going out there. He wants to do it. And you know, I I think that's true of of Otto who you know said he wants to play until he's 40. You know, he he still thinks that, you know, he could go for four more years. Obviously it's a lot harder, but um, you're right. Those guys who can, can compile and they can last a long time. Like they've got such a such amazing value and and that's just a, a rarity in and of itself to play until you're 40 for a reliever that's right-handed and he's not a lefty you can always do that if you're a lefty but you're right-handed that's pretty special
1: i i don't put it past him now out throws really hard and he still throws hard and he's been blessed with the ability look at justin verlander now coming off tommy john still throws really hard justin verlander having having a great year he's in his in his late 30s so there's certain guys that can maintain that velocity but you know he has that slider which you know he and he throws like three different versions of it so you get th- different breaks horizontal and vertical with it Sergio Romo is a guy that's lasted forever doesn't throw nearly as hard as I mean he doesn't throw hard at all but he's lasted forever with that slider and, and kind of guile and, and Adobino still has a plus fastball to go along with that slider. So I don't put it past him being able to, to pitch, you know, close to 40.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. He, he, he did meet, mention Romo and he did talk about, you know, that sweeper that he throws and some of the younger guys in the clubhouse calling him the OG of the sweeper, because, you know, not, not that he necessarily reinvented himself, but he was in on all this analytics stuff, you know, pretty early and, and purchased his own equipment and, you know those companies were reaching out to him, and and so he created his own little lab. You know, a couple of years before some teams were even able to do that. So, you know, when you do that, when you put that investment in yourself, it, it definitely pays off. So it'll be it'll be exciting to see how how much longer he sticks around. Hey, maybe he comes back to to Colorado for one more time. He likes those challenges. He likes the short porch at Yankee Stadium, Green Monster, and 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 left field at Fenway, and and just Coors Field in general can be that challenge. He he might be up for it at least one more time.
1: Yeah, I remember. I he like rented out some warehouse in Brooklyn or something. Remember, he was with the Rockies and, yeah. and set up some of the uh, pitch track stuff and 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 utilized that data. Which is is not a surprise if you know him at all. In that, as we said, he's a sharp guy and he he wanted to utilize you know some of the the new not only metrics but the new way of analyzing you know, release and spin rate and all of that to uh, maximize his ability. So, you know, tip of the cap to him for, um, for for doing those things and kind of being ahead of the curve.
0: I think fourth all-time in appearances for the Rockies, and he said he wanted it. He he wanted to be number one. So, yeah, if, if he does come back, maybe he uh, does slot ahead of, I would guess it would be Brian Fuentes. I didn't go back and look, but I would say I think Steve, Fuentes. Would I
1: would be. think Steve Reed would be way up there. In terms of appearances, Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. One of us is right. Well, I'll
0: tell you what. While you talk, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can look that up. All right. Well, this conversation is getting me a little bit hungry, and and that's kind of a Uh, good time to to talk about sexy pizza. They've spent over 13 years in the Denver community with locations on Capitol Hill. Old South Pearl Jefferson Park, Park Hill. They also have a location down in Trinidad, Colorado that's worth checking out too. Now this is a hand tossed deck oven pizza with made from scratch each morning dough. It is delicious from someone who can be a bit of a snob with their pizza, this is legit. I go out of my way to go down to Denver to get that or when I'm at the bar, I swing by Sexy Pizza. I also love that when you go to their website, www.sexy.pizza, here's why you want to do that. You can go to their about page and check out the donations link to find out how sexy pizza can actually support your cause. They love supporting local organizations and event and events. So make sure you go ahead and do that. And if you need a cleaning afterwards, flossing maybe isn't your forte. Well, leave it up to our friends at green mountain dental group. They've taken amazing care of all of our DNVR members over the years, especially those who've made the permanent switch. They're going to leave you with a pearly white smile. We all want to be smiling at this time of the year. It's gorgeous out. You're going to spend the next two, three months outdoors while you want your smile to be pearly white. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Okay, Drew, I bought you enough time. I hope you've got the answer. Uh, I'm looking right now. I, I do l I do like your pick, but I'm not gonna i I'm not gonna flip flop. I'm I'm gonna stick with my guy and Brian Fuentes four appearances. I think Steve the, did have at least one more year.
1: You know, our buddy Thomas Harding did uh our our buddy Thomas Harding did a piece on um his all time five best
0: Rockies relievers
1: a couple of years ago.
0: Well, with innings pitched, I'm I'm very good on the on the Google machine. I I love my baseball reference. I know every every page by heart. I almost know the earls. I almost know the earls. Well, if we're talking about innings pitched, it, it's all the starters. But when it comes to appearances, as we said, Adam Ottavino, number four, three hundred sixty-one games. Number three, I don't think I would have gotten this one. I would have kind of forgotten and put it out of my brain. Matt Belisle, three ninety-two. At number two. Brian Fuentes and number one, Drew Goodman was correct with Mr. Steve Reed at 461 games. What do yeah. I win? You got me one. You, uh, I, I free beer at the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar.
1: Perfect. Okay. Gotcha. I'm in. I'm in.
0: We, we need a, uh, we need a Rockies flavor for Breckenridge brew. They do an avalanche avalanche ale. They got the Broncos country. I think there's mm-hmm. even a couple uh, nuggets beers that they have we got to see if there can be a, a a rocky type flavor we'll have to bring you in as like the the taste master you <laughs> should work on crafting the the flavors and the notes Let's see what kind of notes drew good uh,
1: yeah you know what i could um i could partake in that for a little bit i know some guys that will last a whole lot longer than i <laughs> will in the uh, beer tasting department
0: there you go i like that I did wanna I do want to pick your brain about uh, Trevor's story bouncing back in, in a real major way there in Boston. Rough go. He was booed. Obviously, we had no doubt that he was not even going to figure it out because that sounds like he he lost it. No, I think he had a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Obviously, he just had a had a baby, changed his agency, going to a new market. You know, the lockout really changed a lot of different things. He's going from Arizona to Florida for spring training. So that's that can be a challenge. It was just a matter of time, and I'm I'm glad he figured it out sooner than later because he he's broken out in a big way in Boston, and now he's everyone's favorite player. If you're a Red Sox fan.
1: He was taking a lot of heat. Um, they're passionate fan base. We were talking about that earlier. He got off to a slow start, and uh, there's a lot of players around baseball have gotten off to a slow start. I'm I'm happy. I like Trevor, and and I'm happy that that he had that that weekend that he did where we've seen it before, right? We've seen him go on these home run rampages. And so it's in there. He didn't, he didn't all of a sudden become a bad player. He didn't all of a sudden, you know, forget, you know, how to swing a bat. Is he going to have periods where he just like a lot of players where he's two for 20 with a dozen punch outs, he will, he will. And it'll, it'll happen again. But now at least there's a, it's such a grind mentally, but there's a reservoir of success with Boston that he can reach back upon. And then there's also the Boston fan that can say, well, you know, he carried us last weekend and, you know, we, we see why, uh, you know, we, we spent $140 million on him. The, for me overall, I, I like to see it for Trevor individually. And I also like to see it to, uh, to continue to throw darts at the, Idiocy That is um, advanced whenever a Rockies player who's successful in Denver moves on with the, oh, well, he's a Coors Field creation. I mean, it's just lazy in terms of not doing your homework, just like looking at Nolan and Larry Walker and Matt Holiday and all the players that moved on and then are quite successful. Um, and so uh, I'm I'm happy in that regard. Also,
0: yeah, that that narrative definitely seems to have quieted down. Lemayhu did a lot of great work for that Arenado, and now we're going to see. Yeah, some, but you still say, hear, but
1: yeah, you still hear it. And you hear it from national folks that should know better. You're right uh, at times, you know, or w- they'll be writing a, a piece about, you know, a, a rocky free agent or potential free agent, and say, well, you know, the splits are like CJ Crone right now. You look right. at his splits, and he's hitting almost 400 at home and. I don't have it in front of me what he's hitting on the road. He's been, you know, he's been fine on the road, but they're dramatic. You know, there's a dramatic difference. People are like, well, you know, I don't know. We think he's like a double A player if he if he plays for Seattle or something.
0: No, it's not how it works. That's true. It, it, it won't die. You're right. There's always going to be somebody carrying that torch, if you will, going forward with that. I also imagine that for Story and, and anyone in those large markets, I hadn't considered it quite like this and I, I know it's not entirely true it's not airtight but once you get booed enough or you hear enough of your teammates get getting booed it, it probably loses some of its impact you know it's it's like someone who is shouting all the time at a certain point people will ignore you they're 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 just going to be able to block out that kind of shouting or that that kind of noise because it's it's very much normal and it loses its effectiveness now there are players who at a certain point will say okay I've, I've kind of had enough of it but you know, if if it doesn't happen quite as often, then it, then it becomes more noticeable. But in those northeastern markets, you get booed. You go, yeah, it comes comes with the territory. I mean, I, I think that even happened. I think Mickey got booed once in in New York. So it's it it's par for the course. And so I imagine the next time that happens, as you said, if story if he has one of those golden sombreros, it'll just be okay. Yeah, that's they're they're not happy with me, but I know the player I am and. It's it's really stuck off a of water's back.
1: I I think every player has to have you know especially in baseball really hard exterior, and I, I think that you know Trevor's smart enough to know that when he was going to uh, a new city, particularly in the Northeast, that he was going to hear great cheers when things went well and. You know vociferous booze potentially if things did not go well i mean he, he's 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 sharp enough to to understand that and he grinded i mean that's where that's where you have to dig deep in 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 being mentally tough and and keep going out and posting up every day um and and find a way to get through it i mean it's painful um, when you know, you go for four or three strikeouts and you come back the next day and you put yourself in the lineup and you, you know, and you don't have success again, that's what this game does to you. Um, also I thought it was unfair that one day he was, uh, I, again, I wasn't there, but I, I believe he was working out. And so they, they made it seem like he, he ducked the media after a game and, I just think that if it doesn't always match the timeline of a reporter, now there are times that players say, "Well, I was working out, I was getting treatment," and they hide in the trainer's room. I, you know, we've seen that before. You know, you've seen that uh, in, in locker rooms post game, but that's that's not the history of uh, of Trevor's story, and I thought that was a little bit a um, little bit unfair. But li- you got to have a hard exterior, man. You got to be tough, and, and especially more so than ever before, because everybody seems to have. The ability to um, throw their opinion out there and have it heard at some level because of social media. Um, but uh, you know, going back to your original thought, uh, he's a good guy. Uh, Trevor's Trevor's a guy that you root for, and, and I'm glad that he was able to turn it around for the weekend. I'm sure he'll have success going forward with Boston.
0: Two Hall of Fame pitchers. Actually, I guess the I guess the uh, St. Louis Cardinals now have three. Hall of Fame pitchers. Adam Wainwright, we'll see what happens for him. Uh, now, Albert Pujols and, and Yadier Molina, our friend of the show, John Boy, kind of said, you know, maybe maybe it's jump the shark, These, the position players pitching this idea, like, you know, maybe baseball needs to do something about it. It's, it's still interesting. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I don't know that anything needs to change. It just kind of is what it is. But have you gotten any sense uh, about that of like, yeah, you know, maybe Maybe we need to to try to avoid something like this, or is it is it too soon to too soon to kind of make that kind of indictment? I, I just we're, think we're having, having
1: having having uh, position players jump yeah. on the ground in a blowout. I have no problem with it. The length of yeah. the season uh, in baseball twice as long as any other, as we know, any other yeah. major sport, and you have to have fun. It's what it, that's why you got into sports to begin with. It's easy. It's called, somebody uh, said once, it's it's not called work ball, it's called play ball, right? <laughs> so remember yeah. that. And if it's 18 to nothing and you can throw the Hall of Fame catcher on the mound, do it. It's entertaining for the fans. It's entertaining for both dugouts, quite frankly. When the Giants got their, uh, they were getting their ass kicked uh, in that game that Pujols pitched. It lightened the mood and it made it easier because they they came to Colorado next. And I was talking to Gabe Kapler about this and he said it made it much easier to kind of turn the page. Hey, it was one of those days in baseball. We got our ass kicked. We didn't do anything very well. And it was a blowout. And then we all got a chuckle out of seeing Albert on the mound. It, it's good. and And sport is about is also about fandom. Right. And you and I are talking about this days later so it it, it was impactful at some level for us because it provided entertainment and if it happens again and freddie freeman one day in a blowout plus or minus for the dodgers is on the mound it'll get national attention it'll be a good thing i know that buddy you know hates that he does not you know the the integrity of the game is really important but buddy has kind of eased up on that. You know, he's not going to throw a Sam Hilliard who used to pitch in college because he doesn't want to get him hurt because he thinks he's going to get too competitive and actually try to get guys out as opposed to when he threw, uh, you know, Fuentes last year and, you know, he kind of lobbed it in there. But it's entertaining. And you don't want to see it on a nightly basis because that means you're really bad, I guess. Uh, but if you're in one of those situations on the wrong end of things, or maybe you're way up, uh, as the Cardinals were against the the Pirates the other day, there's nothing from my from my standpoint. There's
0: nothing wrong with it. That that is an interesting angle too on that because like, you're right. Kapler did talk about it, it, allowing them to turn the page. He actually misspoke when he was talking to us that day, and he said a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he did, he wasn't trying to call Albert Pools a Hall of Fame pitcher, Hall of Fame player, and so that that was funny. But yeah, Hilliard is you know he's got that little bit of a pitching pedigree, but the guy. For for anyone who's who's looking for some more cooler material, I did ask Buddy uh, on this homestand who who's the the person that's going to go out there on the mound in a blowout and they've had a, a couple close ones and twice. Do you know who volunteered?
1: Well, he's not on the roster right now. I think Alan Trejo would have been the guy. You always look to the super utility kind of guy. Uh, you know, Garrett Hampson would would be a name that I would think of to go out there, that'd be one of the first guys that, you know, would pop into my head. Uh, now this goes way back. I don't, I, I'm jumping around here and he may let this guy, I, I don't know if he'd let this guy do it. I, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but I think for Rockies fans, it would be neat if Charlie Blackman got on the mountain Now Charlie may be too serious to do some, something like that. But, um, if I had to pick somebody, you know, off the top of my head, I would say a guy like Garrett
0: Hampson. Are there any pitchers that look like Charlie Blackman? We know there's position players that go full beard, long hair. Brandon Marsh has kind of st- mm-hmm. stolen his style. So I don't think there's any pitchers. So that would really look weird. Well, Brian Wilson, reasons.
1: I mean, he doesn't play anymore, obviously, but Brian Wilson
0: got to get a dip back. Yeah. I don't know that he had his hair long enough. He definitely did have the mm-hmm. the beard with, uh, yeah. with a couple, two to three bottles of just for men in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So who is, who is, the, who is the
0: guy? The volunteer was Randall Gritchick. so I think twice now yeah, he stepped up and said, "Hey, if you need me out there, I'll, I'll go ahead and and do it." So that also would be strange because he's got socks that go above the knees. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, he he's a good guy. Uh, I'd also be remiss to uh, to to talk about the the passing of angel. We haven't covered it yet. And I'm just curious if, uh, if you have any, any stories from him or if you've read any books, I actually have ride, not ride read. Angel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I've never read any of his books. I, I got to know him obviously from the Ken Burns baseball. Um, he'd be he put out a book that he wrote with, with David Cohn, which was, uh, something that I had on my to-do list, but I uh, never actually read any of his work, but he's, he was an all time legend and uh, passed away at 101 years old.
1: I did not realize Honestly, I didn't realize he was still with us, and I didn't realize that he was, it, it was, I mean, what a life, 101, and he's one of the great, uh, when, you, when you think of baseball literature, of which there has been volumes of fiction and nonfiction uh, written about the sport of baseball, uh, one of the first names that come to mind for me is Roger Angel, and I think that's probably the simplest and most apropos way that i can pay you know a small tribute to him and i think that that many people that have read about the game that uh enjoy the game like you and i do patrick and you say well who you know who do you think of you know prominent uh novelists about the game of baseball roger angel it's always one of the first that i think would would come out of people's mouths yeah
0: he's he's great. And I, a lot of people have him on like top five lists as far as just personal, like their, their favorite books. Um, and it, it did, it did get me thinking about some of my favorite baseball books and, and, and books that have been on my to-do list or that are on my shelf. Do you have, I don't know that we ever talked about that before, but do you have any, uh, particular favorite baseball books or books that are kind of they're on the shelf for you that you're thinking, I got to get around to reading that at, at, at some point.
1: Again, there there's, there's so many, you know, great works of literature around the game, and there's some, you know, probably less celebrated works. One of the first ones that comes to mind that I read, it was, um, and I, I'm, oh man, I'm gonna butcher the title. Something about um, coming home again, and it was uh, a New York-based guy, I believe. It may have been his first venture at that point into um, into writing. He had a writing background, a- anyhow. He, he was about coaching his ten year old's little league baseball team that played in Central Park, and he kind of felt already as his son was moving to ten that he was trying to you know formulate a bond, and he was already worried about not not losing him, but but you know where the friends became that age where friends became more important than hanging out with with dad, and he coached this team in the summer. And it just struck a chord with me, because when I first read it, my kids, my boys were in that, you know, that realm, ten, eight, and 5, probably at the time that I read it. And, you know, it brought me to tears at times. So uh, I'm doing a bad job of remembering the name of it, but it's not always, you know, like, you know the natural, which I thought was a great read. You know, so so many books that have been turned into movies also is typically are, are better when you're reading them. Um, bless you. Uh, than, you know, ultimately the movie, but that that's a book that jumps to mind um, right away. I just read a book um, that that has baseball as as a backdrop. That I fantastic read. It's called The Art of Fielding, and I would. Uh, I've I gi- I've, I've I've given it to uh, my oldest son Jacob I've given it to uh, somebody else as a gift another friend uh, as a gift called The Art of Fielding I just read it uh, several months back um, tremendous tremendous novel that has baseball um a- as a significant backdrop um in addition to you know a college campus and and you know coming to adulthood and, and that sort of thing so anyhow uh, and I've gotten down the road on, on literature and baseball literature, but uh, Roger Angel, what a life.
0: If you have another copy of the art of fielding, I know a certain baseball team that it might behoove them to read. It. Okay. Was your book called the way home scenes from a season lessons from a lifetime by Henry Dunno.
1: Yes, that's it. Had, did you read that or did you just look it up?
0: I'm good on the Google machine, man that's out,
1: that's outstanding because there's been a, a number of baseball books that have home in its title but that's the book
0: i got you man great I read great yeah I, I have to check that out good but, good cover
1: too you know give, give it give it to your dad did he did he coach you your dad at all he did yeah a couple okay. of years yeah give it, give it to your pop i know you guys are uh you know, going to have a special night tonight and going to watch the documentary on Nolan Ryan. And I, and I know your pop just moved out to Colorado. Um, go get that book on Amazon and give it to your dad. It'll be uh, it'll be special for him.
0: That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I have to do that. My one of, I, I have a couple of favorites and, and it's funny because we were talking about Kadri it, it reminded me of this book. It's called "The Pitch That Killed" by Mike Soul, and it's about you know Ray Chapman, nineteen nineteen, the only player to ever you know die in a, in a big league baseball game. And part of that book was, is it goes into Carl Mays uh, of I think he was on the Yankees at that point. He also pitched with Boston, but Carl Mays was kind of a headhunter. And it was you know, hey, was was he intentionally throwing at Ray Chapman? And you know, you also learn about why the fact that you know pitcher gets a baseball and goes, you know, I don't like it or a a ball gets fouled off and why they don't they don't put it in play anymore is cuz they used to just keep using the same baseball over and over again and some would be setting and be the twilight of the day and you just couldn't see the baseball and so you couldn't get out of the way of the baseball. and So all those things are kind of, you know, interconnected in that so that book is amazing learning a lot more about Ray Chapman's life. Clemente by David Moranis, of course, you know, is is a great one and uh and and a book that I I've don't know that anyone else has, has ever read, but it's really interesting. And it ties in Colorado Springs. I don't think they went to Denver, but, uh, came out over a decade ago called Spalding's world tour, the epic adventure that took baseball around the globe and made it America's game about, uh, by Mark Lamster. And it was just about AG Spalding. And, you know, you wanted to, to get his merchandise and stuff out there. And so they went literally all around the globe uh they're on boats for for days they went to egypt and i think cap anson threw a baseball over the sphinx you know someone bet him to do that and and he was able to do it so uh that 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 was a that's a fun baseball book that's that's pretty much an easy read there's a
1: there's there's a lot out there i really enjoyed last summer during the um all-star festivities the all-star week uh in denver the tattered cover which is right at uh McGregor Square brought out uh, a number of novelists and also just uh, an enormous number of of, uh, baseball themed books and and had them out every day. And I I bought a lot of I bought a lot of stuff uh, that that particular week and had some great conversations with people about, uh, you know,
0: various, uh, you know, various works surrounding the game. Yeah, that that was a a good one. One one that's on my shelf that I want to read from uh, a couple years ago from the National uh, Convention for for Saber was a book written by Robert Fitz, who's kind of become the the new um, Robert Whiting as far as like knowledge about the history of Japanese baseball. It's called, and the title alone goes, okay, this book sounds great, Bonsai Babe Ruth. Baseball, espionage, and assassination during the nineteen thirty-four tour of Japan. You go, okay, I, I'm interested in this. So kind of ties a lot of things in there. It's similar to like The Catcher Was a Spy, uh, all about no, Mo Berg. Yeah, and, and they I I actually saw the documentary about it a couple years ago. And they 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 made it in a full length film. I think Paul Rudd was in it. I guess he may have been the the Mo Berg character in it. But uh yeah, there's there's so many great baseball books, there's just not enough time.
1: Not enough time for a lot of things.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, uh, hopefully you've got plenty of time to to check out Drew's podcast. Uh, we got John Miller this week. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I sat down.
1: Sat down with the legendary uh, giant broadcaster. He's been uh, national broadcaster. He's been Orioles, Red Sox, Oakland A's. Been with a lot of teams for. You know, John. I think first year. Did he tell me was seventy four. John's been at this. John's been at this a long time and he's excellent.
0: And he wears a Yamiuri Giants cap to the ballpark. I noticed that in San Francisco and in Colorado, uh, given given much love uh, to a, a Japanese baseball team. So that ties in nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on the abs, uh, maybe have some Chris Bryant news by the time that that podcast drops on thursday morning it's it's always great and so uh you always find great guests and so this one this one i imagine you just you, you held the microphone up to him and then he just went crazy so you you only asked two questions but it's still probably one of your your longer episodes <laughs> yeah you,
1: you know john 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 is um like like many of us i've been accused of this too john is uh is somebody that, uh, that doesn't need a lot of prompting, and, but he's great. I mean, great voice, great
0: stories, um, interesting guy. One of the great bloviators of all time. It's mm-hmm. a good word there. There it is. Uh, well, make sure you're following our buddy uh, Drew and listening to his podcast. Uh, of course, the Drew Goodman podcast dropping each and every Thursday morning. Follow him on Twitter at Drew Goodman42. We are at DNVRRockies at Patrick D Lyons and at the Susie Hunter for our individual accounts. It's been great. Goody appreciate you coming on. Look forward to our conversation next week. Seeing at the ballpark again, uh, very soon here, but you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we'll talk to you then.